As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. It's wonderful that so many of you are able to join our online services, which combine archive recordings of our choir and congregation with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons. For this reason, we shall continue to broadcast these services each Sunday, even though we've now resumed our 11am choral Eucharist in St Bride's itself. Not all of you are able to join us in person for reasons of distance or because you need to take particular care of your health, but we know that you are very much with us in spirit. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the 13th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven 
to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy Lord. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord Grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is taken from Ezekiel chapter 12, beginning at the 21st verse. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth? Tell them, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say unto them, The days are at hand, and the effect of every vision. For there shall be no more any vain vision, nor flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord. I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged, for in your days, a rebellious house, will I say the word, and will perform it, saith the Lord God. Again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, The vision that he seeth is for many days to come, and he prophesieth of the times that are far off. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, there shall none of my words be prolonged any more, but the word which I have spoken shall be done, saith the Lord God. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets, that follow their own spirit, and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying divination, whereas ye say, The Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Because, even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace! And there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others dobed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them which dove it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the dobing wherewith you have dobed it? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in mine anger, 
and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall that ye have dogged with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered, and it shall fall, and ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall, and upon them that have dobed it with untempered mortar, and will say unto you, The wall is no more, neither they that dobed it. To wit, the prophets of Israel which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The New Testament reading is taken from Acts, chapter 19, beginning at the first verse. And it came to pass that, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptised? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptised with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sever, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together, and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them, and found it fifty thousand pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Almighty God, who hast called thy church to witness that thou wast in Christ reconciling the world to thyself, help us so to proclaim the good news of thy love that all who hear it may be drawn unto thee through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In my sermon last Sunday evening, I mentioned having visited the ancient burial ground at Bunhill Fields during my recent holiday. Rather amused by this, someone asked me afterwards if clergy normally spend their vacations amongst the dead. I laughed cheerily, thinking to myself that I'd better keep quiet about the fact that I had that very morning booked a guided tour of Highgate Cemetery for my next day off. And I certainly didn't reveal that in 2015, a clergy friend and I had a marvelous time in Paris, tracking down the last resting places of the likes of Oscar Wilde, Samuel Beckett, Simone de Beauvoir, Chopin, and Edith Piaf in the amazing civic cemeteries of Père Lachaise, Montmartre, and Montparnasse. You will doubtless be relieved to hear that I do have a number of other rather more usual leisure pursuits. But nevertheless, I have always, since childhood, loved graveyards, not in a creepy way, but simply because I find them endlessly fascinating. I was the youngest child in my family by several years, so inevitably I spent quite a lot of time on my own when I was young. We would often stay with my paternal grandparents during the summer. And on a hill at the heart of their village stood, and still stands, a beautiful little Norman church surrounded by an ancient churchyard. And I spent many happy hours there. There was a quality of peace and tranquility in that graveyard that I had never encountered before helped by the fact that in those days there was virtually no traffic in the village apart from the occasional tractor or delivery van. It was a haven for wild flowers and all kinds of wildlife. But it was the gravestones themselves that I found most interesting. Those final traces of people who had once called that village home and felt that it was theirs, some of whose dwellings still surrounded me, even though their former occupants were, by then, long forgotten. Their names and relationships and fragments of their stories were sometimes still traceable on the weather-worn headstones, while others were completely obliterated. Although I was only a child, the thought that I was there on my own amongst the community of the long dead didn't frighten me at all. I just found the place curious and intriguing. And even at that young age, I had a sense that I was glimpsing something profound that was incredibly hard to identify or to put into words but it was something to do with the inevitable and ancient rhythms of the living world, indeed of the whole cosmos, and the unfailing pattern of life and death. It didn't feel at all frightening. Somehow it felt natural 
and good. I've just finished reading Jean Spracklin's new book, These Silent Mansions, A Life in Graveyards. Yep, afraid so, I really do read books about graveyards too. It was quite a relief to discover that that particular author shares my rather curious passion. And she uses a rather wonderful phrase that spoke to me when she describes how graveyards reveal what she calls the mysteries of an ordinary life. The mysteries of an ordinary life. Sometimes, of course, it is not ordinariness that graveyards reveal, but rather tragedy. In the graveyard of the previous church where I was vicar in Edgbaston is a headstone commemorating an event that took place in 1863, which was so terrible that it gained national coverage at the time. All six of its victims were buried there in my churchyard. It was on Christmas Day in 1863 in a house in what was then my parish, number 10 Little Hill Street, that a terrible fire broke out, a fire that destroyed the home of the Gameson family. And in that fire perished Betsy Gameson, then aged 15, her sister Matilda, who was 14, their sister Emily, who was seven, their brother William, who was two, a 13-year-old girl called Amy Spratt, who was visiting, and a woman called Sarah Bradbury, who was 59. And when I looked up the entry in our burial register, I found a poignant little note written in the margin that read, cause of fire believed to be the lighting of the Christmas pudding. Six people, five of them children, died in that fire. For all its horror, that event is now largely forgotten, but for the annual visit of a descendant of one of the other Gameson children who managed to survive. It is all the more important that the stone that commemorates that terrible tragedy remains there. Tragedy apart, one of the turning points in my own life of faith also happened in a churchyard when I was in my late teens. Casually surveying a mouldering old Victorian tomb, its inhabitants long forgotten, I had a sudden and unexpected glimpse of my own mortality and a profound sense of the importance of the gift of life. It struck me very powerfully that if we have one shot at this life and one shot only, we really do need to treasure every opportunity that it offers us. And I also found myself thinking, wouldn't it be terrible if there were a spiritual dimension to this life and I missed it simply because I had never taken the trouble to find out about it? So I resolved to explore the Christian faith seriously for myself.
and you can see where that particular journey led me. And in the process, I came to see life and death and the promise of new life beyond death in a completely new way, in the light of the gospel. There is a wonderful poem by one of my favorite modern poets, David Scott, a man who is also an Anglican priest, as well as a writer, that is called Bow's Churchyard, Early Morning, a poem that not only evokes for me all that I love about old churchyards and fading gravestone inscriptions and the way in which the natural world and the world of the dead cohabit there, but which also illustrates beautifully what Jean Sprackland describes as the mysteries of an ordinary life. David Scott's poem goes like this. I was early morning browsing and came across a churchyard with this inscription. Here lies Catherine, the daughter of the Reverend. And that was all, for the ancient moss had had its say, obliterating all the rest of what may well have been a longer tribute as in Victorian times. So all I had to go on was a glimpse of part of the end, of part of a name, the relation to your father, and all that could be conjured up from your being in this quiet and lonely place, the daughter of the reverend. A sparrow wheeled from headstone to headstone, cutting through the morning sun, a thrush pushed its speckled chest into a scuttle through the damp grass. Daughter of the Reverend, it kept coming, and all that responsibility in the eyes of the parish, all that love, all that guilt that fathers and daughters leave sometimes to brew in a rectory. The dustbin men, had left the engine running, the emptying of bins, chugs and clumps and slams beside the churchyard wall, blocking any passing sentiment. Catherine, daughter was your vocation, and I think of your father, the Reverend, devastated. The tombstone hints at that. Yet, I must uncurl from this damp section of a wall and return to a less unreal world. Yet some things, however distant, seem never quite to leave at all. Amen.
Let us pray. Eternal God, source of all life and love, our beginning and our end, we thank you that you have brought us safely through this day and to the beginning of a new week. We thank you for the gift of life. Grant us your peace, fill us with your love, and renew us in the service of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, you created the universe by your eternal word and have entrusted the earth to our care. We thank you for the beauty of all that you have made, for the abundance of life in all its variety. Forgive us for squandering your gift of creation, for our pollution of the rivers and seas, for our exhausting of the soil, our destruction of the air, for our pursuit of selfish gain, regardless of the consequences for our climate. Help us all to wake up to the devastating consequences of our actions upon our world and upon all that we so easily take for granted. Stir us into action, recognizing our own complicity in the destruction of our planet. And keep us hopeful whenever we are tempted to despair confronted by forces that feel far greater than we are. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations of the world and for all who are entrusted with their leadership. For all whose decisions impact upon the lives of others. May they act with courage, with compassion and with integrity. Grant them foresight and patience and generosity of heart. May their plans and their actions accord with your justice and your will, that all the peoples of the earth may prosper and your peace may reign. We pray for all teachers and lecturers facing a challenging start to the new academic year. We pray for all children and young people whose education has been profoundly disrupted in recent months. And here at the Journalists' Church, we pray for all journalists and those who work in the media, especially those who work freelance and any whose jobs are at risk. We commend them and all for whom life is challenging at this time into your care. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the family of the church throughout the world. Living Lord, Forgive us our divisions and our lack of love and respect for one another. Grant us unity. 
help us to honour one another as sisters and brothers and to be worthy ambassadors of your gospel of peace. We pray especially for all Christians who are persecuted for their faith, for all who struggle on behalf of the poor and the vulnerable, especially those who do so in your name. And may the peace that we share be the peace of your saving love. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, you pour into broken lives and broken hearts the power of your healing love. We entrust into your care all who are sick or suffering this night. We pray for those who are in hospital, those who are ill at home or in care homes, those who suffer alone, feeling neglected, forgotten or afraid. We remember especially those who are suffering from coronavirus, especially those who lack access to proper medical support and any who are struggling with its long-term effects. We pray for our doctors, nurses, and all who work in the medical profession, for all scientists and researchers, and for all who are striving to bring healing and hope to those who are in pain or fearful for the future. We hold before you those whom we carry in our hearts who are in any kind of need at this time. Members of our own community here at St Bride's and any members of our own families and amongst our friends. Surround them with your love and help them to know your presence with them now. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, your Son, Jesus Christ, passed through the gate of death into eternal life and turned sunset into sunrise. We pray for those who have died and for any who are dying now, for the recently departed and for those whose year's mind falls at this time. Hold them safe in your loving arms and grant them your peace. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
peace of God which passeth all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you all. Amen.